Beep. I'm on. I'm good. All right. Good morning, church. Oh, man. So good to be here with everybody today. Thanks for having me back. I guess I didn't scare you away last time. You definitely didn't scare me away. Well, maybe some of you, but um, thankful to be here. I wanted to start with a time of prayer uh, because we see some stuff going on in the world right now with uh, Hurricane, I think it's, is it Ida coming up and with this pullout in Afghanistan and, and I just heard this morning in our Bible study, which I'm glad Martin shared with you about the 70 Christian leaders who were killed. Um, and as someone who's been a missionary for nine years, 10 years, I had never faced anything like that. To be on a mission field where you can be killed is just unbelievable. And it breaks my heart to even think about that. And I know it happens all across the world, but then once you're faced with it in a place that you had hoped they would at least be protected, it really breaks my heart. So I'd like to pray this morning, lead us all in some prayer for our country with this hurricane. Uh, I have a friend of mine, he's actually attending uh, a med med school internship in Tennessee, and that hurricane's supposed to come up, and hopefully it ends at Tennessee. Um, so I guess it can go that far. <laughs> so I just want to be in prayer this morning for our, uh, our country and for what's going on in the world, and, and just take some time to just really pray. So if you'll just join me. Heavenly Father, God, we just we just want to come before you right now, Lord. As a church, we come before you and we pray together as you've called us to do, as you've called us to gather on the Lord's day and to pray and to have fellowship. Lord God, we just pray right now. That's all we can do is, is lay ourselves and our hearts before you and just ask for your hand to move as our forefathers have prayed before, as Abraham, Moses, as they prayed, Paul and Silas, as they prayed, and then you acted. God, we pray for that today, that you would, you would act, you would move, your hand would be there. God, we pray for what's going on in Afghanistan right now. God, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are still trapped there, who maybe won't ever be able to get out who are just waiting the next few weeks before they come to see you. God, we pray for them that you would give them comfort during this time. We pray for those families that were affected, those kids that were taken, that we know have been taken. And God, we just pray for your help. Just help our brothers and sisters there. We know as the end draws nearer and nearer, these things will happen more and more. We might even see it here. God, we just pray for your hand to, to show the church what to do in this time, to encourage the church to come around those who are struggling, those who are losing their lives. God, that we would lift up our brothers and sisters across the world from us to your hands, Lord God. We trust you. We know your will will be done 
but we pray for their comfort and we pray for their protection. God, that you would bring them home to us. Or God, that you would give them more power, more strength to continue to do your mission there. Because they might not want to come home. They might want to keep doing what you've called them to do until that day they breathe their last. So God, we just pray for them and their strength. God, we just pray for this whole situation. We, we, we're over here, so we just got to ask for you to be there powerfully. God, we pray for this hurricane that's coming up through Ida, or through United States, Hurricane Ida. God, we pray that you would, oh God, that you would calm it, that you would brace that land, that you would use some kind of miraculous miracle to make this settle to ease the suffering and the pain that will come after, to allow your church in America to rise up as a a hand of mercy and grace to those who are suffering. And God, we pray for protection. We know we're going to see a lot of damage and a lot of death. God, we pray for protection. We pray for your hand, your help there, Lord Jesus. As a church, we lift that up to you. God, we lift up Lord God, we lift up our brothers and sisters who we haven't seen in a while. For Dick and Lynn and pray for their healing. God, we pray for those who, who've been through struggles and, and who have faced difficulties as of late. God, we pray for their healing, their strengthening, and their encouragement to join in fellowship as we take these steps together, as we live life together, as we keep pressing forward to that goal as we wait for your coming, Lord Jesus. Help us to be a church that is a strong representation of your power, your comfort, and your peace in a world that is full of none of those things. God, we pray for your grace today. Thank you so much for who you are and what you do. We might not understand everything that happens, but we know you're in control And we know that you're bringing about your will. And so we trust in your will. God, we pray for the word today as we open this word, as we open your message today, that you would become more and more and I would become less and less, that we would hear the word as we hear this truth of giving ourselves over to you daily so that we may walk fully in your spirit and fully in your presence God, teach us something new today. Encourage us. Build up your church. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. And in your name, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for praying with me. It's important that we pray with one another. The prayer, what, what day is the prayer, prayer night? The 12th. September 12th? That's my birthday. All right. So that's easy to remember. Make sure we come out to prayer one another. I mean, I've been amazed by how many people gather in this church to pray. Sometimes we have more there than on service on Sunday. It's so important. It's so good to be in prayer. So let's just continue to keep praying. All right. Let's open the word today. Amen. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 today, Galatians chapter 5, and that's our main passage is 5, you know, 16 
through 27 or 26. As we move through this uh, passage, we're going to be dealing with something really important. So we'll come in and out of it. Today I wanted to share a message dealing with one of the hardest, if not the hardest, things we as children of God have to do, or children of God deal with and are called to do. So let me sing a, a verse from one of my favorite songs. I'm no Alan, but this is in tribute to him. I'll try to sing. I'll look at my wife because she knows I've s- tried to serenade her. When we were dating, I serenaded her with songs. Somehow sh- she said yes when I proposed. So, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. We know that verse. We know that song. I surrender all. Today we're going to be talking about surrendering to God. Surrendering to God. That's the way of life for his new creation. Submitting to his spirit. This is the method by how we as Christians live. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We have the price has been paid. We never have to worry. We might lose his salvation. But now we stand in a new life. We've been made new. The Bible says we are new creations made new. And now we have a new way of walking. And that new way of walking is surrender. Galatians 5:16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So this is the passage I wanted to go to when we're talking about this idea. Talking about this idea of how we walk as Christians is how we live our lives. And it is a life of surrender. And when we go to Galatians 5, it's one of my favorite passages. This is a passage I wanted to share today. In Galatians 5, we're talking about this idea of we are free in Christ. Free from the condemnation of the law. And we are free to walk in the Spirit. And so this passage is talking about walking in the Spirit. And what we begin to see is that this is what we are called to do as the people of God. We are called to live lives of the Spirit separate from the lives we used to live. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul talks here about this idea of living a new life, not a life of the way we used to be, living and walking in a new life. And this life, as we'll read, is a life of surrendering to God. And so why does this matter? Why does it matter that we need to walk this new way? Why does it matter that we need to live this new life? I think it starts with, we all deal with that old flesh. The, the Bible here calls it the flesh. 
sarks, the Greek word sarks. It is our old self, our old nature, the old way we used to be. In fact, the Bible calls it flesh because it is this thing that is dying. It is the old self. And we all deal with a temptation to act as our old self. But as God's creation, new creations, we are called to be led by the Spirit, to live lives of the Spirit. And so this is an important thing for us to understand. And it's something that doesn't change the, as we go about our lives, as we grow older, as we live our lives in the faith, as we, as we become more mature Christians. This is something that becomes pivotal to who we are. And that's why it's one of the hardest things to do. But it's one of the simplest truths that we are called to live differently. We are now children of God and we are called to live and walk in the spirit. Yet we continue to struggle with the flesh. Doesn't matter how old you get. Doesn't matter how good of a Christian you think you are. Doesn't matter how much Bible school you attend. Doesn't matter how many times your dad spanked you when you were a kid. You will deal with the temptation to act like your old self, like the flesh. No matter how old you get, no matter what. This is our temptation in this life, is to live like the flesh. But now we have been given the spirit of life. And that's what Paul's talking about in Galatians. You have been changed. You are new creation. And you now have the spirit in your life. So you no longer need to walk in these ways. You now have the spirit. Augustine, the St. Augustine, a great teacher, actually I consider the founder of the Reformation, even though it came thousands of years before the Reformation. He explained it like this. When you're born, you think of it as a, a counterbalanced weight. When you're born in this world, you're born with the flesh, with sin. You're weighed down by sin. You have no good. You are weighed down. That's the idea of total depravity. We are lost in our sin and our old nature and our flesh. We're weighed down. Every choice we make is out of selfishness. We might do good things, but we're not doing it for any other purpose other than this is what I see in front of me. This is either for me or my family or, or what I want. We're weighed in the flesh. But when we've been saved, the Bible says we've been regenerated. And Augustine explained it as now we've been given a counterweight. We've been given the spirit in our life, a spirit that now outweighs the weight of our sin and our flesh. But we still deal with that flesh. And so in our life, we can put more weight on one side or more weight on the other. And as we grow in the spirit, what happens is that that weight on the side of the spirit, as we walk in the spirit, begins to become heavier and heavier. And we live more in the spirit, yet we still have the flesh. And when we get to heaven, when we're finally when we finally die, when we finally our our bodies are in the grave and our soul is with the Lord. And even when we return in our new spirit, our new. In fact, that's the culmination is in the new heaven and the new earth and our new body, what happens is now the weight is completely gone on this side and now we're completely filled with, filled with the weight of the Spirit. We have no tendency to follow the flesh. So we start off with no tendency to worship God and we end with no tendency to follow the flesh. And so that's, this, that's how Augustine explains this idea of the Spirit in our life and our, our struggle with sin. That's this idea of harmatology, the study of sin. And so really what we see in our life is you're mastered by one or the other. 
In any given moment, you're mastered by one or the other. You're mastered by either your flesh, your old self, or the spirit, your new self. The new life that's brought by the spirit. And so we have two at war within us. An old way of living and this new way of living. And this new way of living is to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit of God. And it's opposed to our old way of living, walking in our old self. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And we'll see why that's so important. And then Paul continues as he explains what this means, this idea that we have the Spirit of God now, but we have the sins of the flesh. We have our flesh that, that we still is, clings to us. Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we read those, that verse and it, it hits us a little hard. Those who struggle... With, or who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I look at myself and I say, well, then, man, I am not going to heaven. <laughs> but that's not true at all, is it? Well, that's true. But why do we not fear that we are not going to be with God? Because Christ took the punishment for that on himself. Well, I want us to understand is we're not dealing with salvation. He's not talking about salvation right now. He's talking about the way we live and the works of the flesh. And he's showing this truth that the works of our flesh, the works of our old self, are things that are opposed to God. And if that's what we do, if that's what our heart was, if that's what we gave ourselves to, if that's all that we were, it leads to hell. But now we've been given this new life, as we'll see. We have a new life that we are. I love the next verse. In fact, I'll go there. It says, um, sorry, it says a verse, so will not inherit the kingdom of God. And verse uh, 24 says, but those who belong to Christ have, Je- belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. So you see, we have the spirit now. And the old way of living was our flesh, but now that flesh has been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. So we still struggle with this flesh, though. Make that very clear. We, we have been saved. We no longer are, are a, a man of sin. We have now been brought into the righteousness of God. But we still struggle. We still fall back into our old selves. What we're talking about today is this truth that we are to walk we are to make the steps to walk in a way where we don't live in a way that we are no longer how many of you fall back in your old selves how many of you still struggle with anxiety anger lusts self i like when i say lust no one raised their hand selfishness divisiveness bitterness Treating your wives harshly. Treating your husband with disrespect. 
prodding your children to anger. We see we still struggle with these things. We still struggle with this flesh. But the Bible declares we are new people. That's no longer us, yet we still walk in a way that's no longer us. We still act as if that's who we are, yet we belong to Jesus. And so this is so important for us as Christians to understand that we are called to walk in a new way because that is not us anymore. You are not your flesh anymore. You are not a sinner. You're not a worm. You're a child of God. You've been saved. You have the righteousness of God upon you. Yet, for some reason, we keep going back. And God knows this. Titus chapter 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, which we could not do, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might also become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We were once led astray, but when the loving kindness of Christ appeared, he made us new. He washed us. He regenerated us. We are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if there's any, if therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Ephesians 4.22, we see that because we, the old has passed away and the new has come, we have a calling upon our lives to put off our old self, which belongs to our old way of living, our former manner of life, because it's corrupt and deceitful, and yet to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's, that's the intro to this whole thing. For Paul. You are a new creation. You are no longer this person. He says, look at the, the, the works of the flesh lead to damnation. But you are no longer that. You are a new creation. And you are headed towards eternal salvation. And so if you are this new creation, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Your call is to put off that old self and to put on the new self renewed by the spirit. We can all say amen to that. It's like, yeah, I get that. That's good, Pastor Tim. I understand that. But how do we do that? How do we walk in this new life that Christ has given us? You see, this new life. And yet, I tend to cling to this corpse. It says that the old man is dead. It is crucified with Christ. Yet, I keep holding on to this thing that's dead. I keep returning to this thing that's dead. Me and my wife just got a new puppy. And, uh... We've had some struggles. You can see the bite marks and, and the issues. And one thing that was awesome, there was a teaching moment for us. 
as new puppies do, he had puked in his crate. But when I came down to clean it up after seeing him do it, where was the puke? He ate it. He, he ate the puke. The Bible says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so we return to our sin. We're drawn to this old nature as we see that scales tipped. And so there's a call in our life not to get to heaven, but as we walk, there's a call on our life to live in step with the Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we walk and step in the Spirit? And that's where it comes. The idea of surrender. How do we walk in the Spirit? We submit to the Spirit. In life, we fight, we struggle to do things our way, to live the way we're used to, the way that our nature says is the right way to do things. But the truth is that we will never experience the full power and presence and and hand of God in our life if we're doing that, if we do not just learn to surrender. When we learn to surrender, when we learn to turn to God, this idea of surrender is connected to this idea of submission. It's placing yourself under the hand of God, under the mind of God. If we don't learn to surrender, we won't experience the power of his presence every day. See, he's there. We just choose to turn our backs. Even as Christians, we say, no, I can, I can handle this. When his presence is there, and so when we turn to him, we surrender to him, when we let his presence in life, we begin to see things change. When we really understand this idea of turning to him in every decision in our life, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's surrendering saying, I know this is where I want to go. This is the fight I want to do. I want to keep fighting. I want to keep going this way. When the truth is, I need to surrender to God's will and what he wants and, and his plan. When I think about this idea of surrender, I'm reminded of a story in my life. And it's an imperfect illustration, but I think it works. Uh, one day, my family took us to the river to go swimming and uh, I think I must have been about 10 or 8 or something. And uh, I was swimming in the river with my older brother. And this was when the river was much bigger and the water was going much faster. And uh, my brother, who's three years older than me, had swam out to the bigger rock. And I was on this rock. And I'm pretty sure I heard my mom saying, don't do it. But I jumped to get to my brother on the other rock. And that river took me downstream. I was swept away. I remember as I was being swept away, I was hitting rocks, slamming in the rocks, and I was trying to fight and trying to swim and trying to, trying to do things. My nature told me to, to keep swimming, to keep paddling, to keep trying to swim. But the more I did, the more the water crashed over me. And I remember as I was screaming and fighting, I remember looking to my left, and I saw my dad running down the trail. And I remember in that moment, I just kind of stopped. And I just said, all right, he's going to get me. And it, the water rushed me down the river, and my dad came into the river and got me <laughs> as I was floating on my back. That's an imperfect illustration, but I think it conveys this idea of surrender. Instead of struggling in this life to do what our nature tells us to do, he spoke harshly to me. I'm going to tell him how he is, you know. 
She acted like that. Man, I'm just, I'm done. I can't deal with her anymore. I'm going to speak those words I hate to speak to her. Instead of struggling to do what our nature tells us to do, to fight for ourselves, to do things our way, to pleasure ourselves, we can surrender and let God be the master. Let God be in charge. We can submit to the leading of the Spirit in our lives. That's what Galatians 5.18 says. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And we understand that he's talking about the condemnation of the law, that you're not under this idea of walking in sin. If you're led by the Spirit, to realize victory over the flesh in your life, we must put ourselves under the leadership of the Spirit. To have victory over the flesh We must submit to the leadership of the Spirit. That's this idea of walking in the Spirit. That's what I mean when I skip ahead to Galatians 5.24. It says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us also walk by the Spirit. We have been made alive by the Spirit. We are alive, no longer dead. God breathed life into us. So if we are alive by the Spirit, let us also walk in that Spirit that made us alive. Jesus taught us this truth in His life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That passage is a passage of submission. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Submit to me. Come under submission of the Lord, for his yoke is easy, his burden is light. What we begin to see is that he's actually there with us. In Luke 9, which is an important verse, he says again, 9.23, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now Jesus is talking about the context of giving it all up for Jesus. Being willing to jo- die for Jesus. Being willing to give everything up for Jesus. That cross is a, not a, this beautiful picture we hang around our necks or get tattoos of. That cross is a picture of suffering. Jesus says, take up Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Now on this passage, Spurgeon wrote, this verse certainly means the consecrating of all to Jesus, the bowing of my whole self beneath the blessed burden of service with which he has honored me. Giving all yourself to Christ, this total submission to the Lord, 
This is what Jesus taught us to do. Give everything over to God, and that's how we are called to live. If we really will come after God, come after Jesus, we are to give everything over, to submit everything, to give everything over. In fact, Jesus showed us this, not just in his teachings, but in his own life, in his relationship with the Father. As we know, on the night he was betrayed in Luke chapter 22, Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When they had come to the place, he said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We'll stop right there. Go back to that. Not my will, but yours be done. And it goes on to say that he was comforted by an angel and that he was in agony and drops of blood came from his sweat. In this moment of, of deep turmoil, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. He desired that that cup would be removed from him, that the wrath of God didn't have to be poured out on him. But he showed us in this moment what it means to walk with God. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. That's how he spoke to his father. And this is recorded for us as an example of how we are to walk with our father. Jesus showed us by his example what it means to submit to the Lord. And we are called in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So submitting and surrendering to the Spirit in our life to give ourselves totally over where we say, not my will, but yours be done, is so necessary for us to walk the Christian life, to live the way God desires us to live, and also to experience life the way God desires us to experience it. God really does desire to have his presence be poured out into your life, that you feel the, the, his glory and his majesty even in the darkest of times. The Lord says that we have the light of, the, of God, of the universe, in our life every day. And so we are to submit and to walk, to turn to God in those moments. When, when we have those moments where we want to act as our old self, we can stop, and I think the best way to do this, the best way to submit, the best way to turn to God is prayer, is in that moment, can we stop and say, God, what do you want me to do here? And that's hard to do in every moment that we sin, in every moment that we struggle. That's hard to do, and I understand that. So it really comes down to, are, are we Conscious of the fact that we need to be submitting to God, and it's so important that we submit to God that when I want to speak harshly to my wife, I stop and I say, what does God want me to do in this moment? That right there is prayer. Lord God, what do you want me to do with her? I don't know what I'm going to do. Be gentle. Ah, I don't want to be gentle. See, in those moments, are we submitting to the Lord? Are we stopping and submitting and saying, all right, God, what do you want me to do? Because when we do that, when we stop and we submit and we turn to him daily, what we're doing and what begins to happen is he begins to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. 
You wonder, well, why, why am I not having joy in my life with Jesus? Why am I not experiencing all these things of God in my life? I'm doing everything right. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. It's because we need to be in a daily submission, in a daily surrender to the Lord. And as we do that, as we turn to Him, these fruits begin to grow. Galatians 5.22, as we continue and finish this passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. See, he's comparing, he's contrasting with, here's the works of the flesh, that is not of the people of God. But here are the fruit of the Spirit. This does come from the people of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit begins to grow up from the weeds of the flesh. When we surrender to Christ, the f- these fruit of the Spirit grow up in the barren garden of our life. Weeds. Man, we've been trying to pull weeds for the last year. And I rip them out and I get it, I have to use probably seven different shovels. And three months later, there's a little green thing popping back up. So that's our, that's our hearts. We, we, we are barren with weeds. But we begin to submit our life over to God. Those fruit begin to grow in the garden. In fact, our lives resemble the garden of God. The fruit of the Spirit is not the good things you're supposed to do as a Christian. When Paul lays this out, he's not saying, here's the bad things you're not supposed to do, and here's the good things you are supposed to do. That's not what Paul's saying at all. He's saying, here's who you used to be, and those who have these growing in their life are not those who belong to God. But here's who you are now. Here's the things that will grow in your heart when you're turning to God, the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of a relationship with God. As we turn to God in our life, as we daily submit and surrender to Him, He begins to take full hold of these areas in our life, and these fruits begin to grow. You want to experience more joy in your life? Submit to God in those moments where you're in distress. Surrender. Say, God, I just want to think about you right now. You'll start feeling some joy. In those moments where, where things are out of control and when you're so angry, turn to God. Submit to Him in this moment. Say, God, I just want to lean on you right now. You'll start seeing that fruit of kindness come out of your heart. When you're struggling with temptation and lust, I know it's hard. Can you take that moment to say, God, I'm just going to talk to you right now. I'm just going to talk to you right now. You'll start to see that fruit of self-control come out as you spend some time with him in that hard moment. That moment's hard. No matter what sin we deal with, that temptation's hard. Those moments are hard. I want to act like my old self. 
But now I have this new spirit that if I would just turn to him in those moments, if I would just turn to him, that fruit will grow. And I'll taste of that fruit. And what is that fruit? That fruit is just the spirit's life in our life. And that's the power. I'm going to close with, well, well, I know I'm at almost 13 minutes over. Good thing Dick's not here because I can just keep going for another 30 minutes if I want right now. Don't tell him. As we submit to God, we begin to realize the power of this verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we are submitting to God, this is what we begin to realize. God is actually living through us. The life I now live in the flesh is Christ living in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and out through me. But we got to take that step to submit and surrender to him. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he will exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God living through us, that's the power of that garden in our life. I want to skip ahead there, Pete, to John 18, 12. This is what happens as we, as we walk in this new way of living We're called to allow these fruit to grow. We're called to walk in such a way that these fruit begin to grow up in those different areas of our life that we struggle with. And as we surrender to God, we submit to God, we say, not my will, not my way, but your will in this new way of living. We begin to see that powerful garden become evident in our life. John 18, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Don't you want the light of life in your life as you walk? Yes, we've been saved. Yes, we are taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the beautiful kingdom of light. But lots of times we tend to walk around as if we're closing our eyes. We're in the kingdom of light and we do this. What happens if I keep going forward here? But if we have the light in our life, we see, I can't see any of you right now. If we have the light in our life, we see what's ahead of us. We see what's around us. We have light shining out into our life and it begins to change things radically. You want to see your marriage be healed, live and surrender to God. You want to see your relationships at work be changed, live and surrender to God. You want to see your your spiritual life grow and develop and experience more power of God in your life, surrender to God. Walk in the light of Jesus. And man, it changes things. It changes our life. It changes our church. It changes how we appear to the world. If we're walking in such a way that these fruits are growing, man, that's tasty for people to want to come and see what that's all about. So it's important to walk in such a way that those fruits are growing, that we're submitting, allowing them to grow. Because, man, that's what we're called to do. It's the most important thing ever. 
most important thing ever. I'm going to leave you with this verse. It's my life verse. A verse that was given to me when I was a, a kid, before I even knew the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So if you forget everything else I said today, this is my only takeaway. Be aware of those moments in your life where you're leaning on your own understanding. You're going your own path. You're acting in your old self, and you know it because you're saved. You have the Spirit in you who convicts you, and you know you're walking the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. Be aware of those moments and step back and pray. And in all those ways, acknowledge Him. Just look to Him. That term means to keep your eyes focused on Him. And watch as he makes straight your path. So if you forget everything else I said, remember that. Take those times, find those moments where you can step back. Say, God, how can I surrender to you in this moment? And then watch what he does as he changes things, as he makes those fruit grow in incredible ways. Amen? Man, we need to do that. We need to walk in step with the Spirit. So thank you, Lord Jesus for this truth that yes we are new creations we have been born again but lots of times we stop there lord help us to take those next steps to now that we are new creations help us to walk as new creations lord god help us to walk in your spirit help us to surrender to your spirit help us to submit to your spirit so that we can see your fruit grow in our life. We can see your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, gentleness, self-control. We can see that grow in our life as we surrender everything over to you. Lord Jesus says you did as you walked this planet and you said, not my will, but your will be done. God, help us to say, not my will, but your will be done. And God, help us to walk, submit, and surrender so that we can see those fruits in our life. We can live this life the way you desire for us to live as we just taste a bit of the fruit of the garden of heaven that we're going to be in forever. Help us to just taste that little bit here so that we long for the whole garden there. Lord God, thank you so much for this truth. I pray that it would sink into our hearts today to surrender to you. Thank you for everyone here. God, I pray a blessing over everyone. In your name, Jesus, we pray for your glory. Amen. Amen. Will you join with me in worship this morning as we close?